Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you need to know your dirt's toiled up. And you're really ready for new seed. You're really ready. And if you've ever seen, uh, this, the Lord just brought this to my mind, a bamboo uh, plant takes years and years and years before you ever see growth. And then all of a sudden, almost overnight, it springs up. And that's what I'm seeing in this room right now. I'm seeing that bamboo uh, plant just spring up quickly, quickly. And what does a, a bamboo plant goes high? And y'all are, y'all are uh, heavenly people. You're heavenly people. You're breaking your ties with earthly uh, processes, earth, earthly sinking, uh, thinking. Um, you're breaking your ties with that. You're no longer tethered to the things of the world. You're tethered to your Lord Messiah above every power and principality. Alicia and I were sitting back there as a the prayer was going, and it was power, powerful when I first walked in. And I was going, uh, Angie, they're just praying this message. And, and it's the truth. It's the truth. And what uh, Apostle Angie is saying is take your authority. We have to take, we're, we're in a time, and we've all been knowing we're coming here. I, I laugh when I hear people say, you know, we're in transition. I'm like, really? We've been in transition. We live in transition. You know, from moment to moment to moment, something new is coming. So, I'm just going to pray. Father, I pray. Lord, you showed me Friday night a ball of coal coming from heaven on fire to purify your people. And Father, it doesn't just mean to clean us of sin, but it means to purify us from the thought patterns, to purify us from the religious traditions, to purify us from our own uh, self-doubt and all of this. Father, you are definitely raising up warriors to another level. Uh, we've been warriors. We were created warriors. I'm going to show you a passage for that. So, Father God, to Today, I just ask that you would lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit, in this room, God, in this room. Father, these are your people. I am your daughter, and you are training us, God. You are training us. I don't want to be on the battlefield with another soldier that's untrained. I want someone that's trained. So, Father, I thank you for what you're going to do here today, what you've already done. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, a long time ago, I had a, a dream or a vision. I can't really remember what it was. 
but I was standing outside of a, uh, like a, um, a big uh, stone structures, uh, natural stone structures, and there was a split in the middle like a cleft. And I was standing outside of it, and I had a pickaxe, and I had a rope, and I had boots on, and there was a group with me. And he was telling, he told me, he said, I want you to start leading them into this cleft. I want you to start leading them in. And with you, as you dig it out, you give it out. And I said, what, it, what is this cleft? And he said, it's the stripes on my back. And I want you to dig out every truth that there is in it. And I believe with all my heart, he is giving us nugget after nugget after nugget. And the other, the other day when I was uh, in my little office at my house, I was, we've been, I've been teaching on the unseen realm, and I spoke with Angie about that, but uh, God told me, he said, I'm going to open you up to the, I'm going to open up the unseen realm to you, and I'll be honest, I've always been, uh, I've had a former pastor say, she was the firm pillow, and I was the soft pillow, and I, I am kind of soft, but... I'm, I'm getting restuffed to where I'm more firm than soft. And it's like he's, I'm always the peacemaker. I'm always the lover. You know, I get lost in that worship and I am just, I'm gone with my beloved. I'm gone. But it's like he has set my feet on new frontier, a new frontier. And he's saying, now is the time to release war to a new level. And see, we've been being trained all along. We've been being trained so that we would not go out of the boundaries that he has trained us up to this point. But you're about to extend your boundaries today. It's about to go out. You're going you're gonna to learn more revelation from the word about what is really happening in the backdrop of the Bible. What is really happening back there? You know, what is really my position? And I'm telling you, as I have studied this and God just keeps downloading things, it has, it has completely changed my faith level in prayer. It has completely changed my outlook of things. And so I just want to share that. That's the call on me uh, in this season. He said, I want you to just take this and share it. And just keep sharing it with my body. So um, that's what I've been doing. I have been sharing it every time I have a chance to open my mouth. I want to start with this, though, um, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Because we have spent a whole lot of time. What I'm going to cover is Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 11. And I'm going to talk to you about the three rebellions uh, that have taken place. You may be familiar with that. I don't know. If you are, but it just put a new perspective in my, you know, for me to how I'm looking at things. But this, uh, I was just sitting there. This is very, it seems like a very, uh, if there is an insignificant passage, and I'm sure there's not. But it seemed like that, you know, just reading along. And you know how we pass. We just pass by and we don't have an idea. I'm telling you, the pickaxe went deep on this. And I, I pulled out a big chunk of gold. 
in, cha- in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their host, and all their host. Pastor Barbara's over there. She's already excited. Um, that word host, how many knows what that word host means? Okay. That word host, I looked it up like, you ever studying uh, Angie? And you're like, that can't be the Hebrew translation. I must have got, I must be in Greek or whatever. Anyway, I looked this up like six times. And I'm saying, is this really the definition? Host means that which goes forth to war. And who is he talking about here? The host of heaven, which is the angelic realm, and the host of earth. He clearly says heaven and earth. And so we were created with a warring spirit. We were created with that inside of us. And that's why there's, there's been so much division in the church because it's like, well, we don't have to do that anymore. Pardon me. Yes, we do. We have to war. We have to receive. Uh, the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given you the, the land into your hands. I have given it to you. Now go possess it. Now go possess it. And that's what we're having to do. It's ours. But by faith, we walk in to that place And we begin to decree the word, and we begin to take land, land. When Susan was doing the dance, I just remembered my studies uh, not too long ago on uh, America and revivalists and this, that, and the other that we were looking at there for a while. And I thought she was saying uh, that sometimes you're there alone and nobody sees That doesn't make anything because guess who's seeing? All the powers, all the principalities, all the demons, all the righteous angels are seeing where you are and what you're doing. And you have your own personal frontier. That's true. And and when America was uh, being established, it was against the law. I can't believe the laws now. It was against the law. If you were 16 years old or uh, older, you were by law to have a gun. You were to have uh, arms. You had to bear arms because you never knew when the whole frontier would be under attack. So each one of us has a particular part to fit into this warfare. All righty. Another thing the Lord said, and then I'm going to get on to... to uh, I started to say the lesson. I'm so used to teaching. Another thing was the Lord said, I want you to look at the Hebrew letters in the Hebrew word host. Is this clock up here for a reason? (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Because I know she's not a clock person. Anyway, I looked up, he said, look up the, the letters, the Hebrew letters in the Hebrew alphabet that makes up this word host. And so I looked it up, and it was just fire on my soul when I did. The Hebrew letters are, um, I'll just say the name of the letters. And each Hebrew letter, I know y'all know this, has a, a, a pictorial 
reference and a number and all of that. But this was just the words here. The word host, which is us, mean is the letters ion, bet, which is our a B, Aleph, which is our A, and hey, which means behold. Hey is the breath of God. Behold. The second part of the word host is ion, bet, and Aleph. Now, I'm not going to get too deep, but I can go that way. And, and sometimes y'all flag me if I get off, okay? <laughs> if I keep going over here too much. Listen to this. Listen to this. Uh, host means, it, each one of these means something. Hey means behold. Aleph means strength. Bet means house. And ion means to see, to perceive. So, here's what this word is saying as for us as warriors. Behold the strength of the house and perceive it. That's our first part of warfare. That's the first part. Don't do the second part unless you've already got it, gone in and behold the Lord. So, behold the strength of the house and perceive it. Now, this is your part. I'm in the presence of the Lord. I am absorbing his light. I'm absorbing his love. I can't give what I don't have. And then I turn around to go out. And it is, let the strength of the house be perceived. When I walk out, it's let the strength of the house be perceived. And that's to every power and principality, every demonic force, our, our, our human brothers and sisters. That's to everyone. Once you go in and you behold that, you become that. You become that which you behold. And then when you go out, they see it. Look, look at the strength of the house. It's right here, right here. And that's why he wants to tear you down all the time. Okay, that was just free because that just came. But that's the kind of stuff that the Lord is doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord God. So I want to talk about this unseen realm. How many know what was going on before the earth was created? Anybody? I don't mind interaction. I'm teacher, preacher. Um, how many knows what was going on before the earth was created? Well, something had to be going on. Chaos. And then the Lord came, brought order, and somebody was observing it, and it was the angels. In Job, it says that as he created the earth, the sons of God rejoiced and sang. This is important because they've been observing this whole thing since before we were ever created. Now, God wants family. That's the whole purpose is he wants family. So the angelic realm, he called them sons. He uses that term sons because that indicates family. It also indicates uh, uh, our inheritance right that we are responsible for the Father's business on the earth. He has chosen that. 
He has chosen that. And many people will say, well, why is there so much evil in the earth? I don't understand. If he's a loving God, why is there so much evil? I hear that all the time, and I know y'all do too. And here is the thing. Here is the thing. To have a family, to have someone to love and love you back, you've got to have a choice. You've got to have a free will. It means nothing. If y'all are sitting here and I'm standing here and I'm, I'm preaching because I'm afraid of a distant uh, disciplinarian father, and so i got to do it. That means nothing. He wants, y'all that have children, you know, he wants to train and teach, and then we'll let them out. I have five. I have nine grandkids and five children, and you have to push them out. Know when they're going to make mistakes, but here's the deal. God had rather take the risk of us than not to have us. He had rather take a risk with us than to not have us at all. And that would have been the only alternative was to not have a family. So here are the angels at creation singing. God creates the earth it says that he planted a garden in Eden. So there's two parts in Eden, the garden and Eden. He planted a garden in Eden, and there he placed the man and eventually the woman. Now, at that time, the earth, heavenly realm, and the earthly realm were mixed. They were together because it talks about I mean, God apparently had to take on some sort of a physical appearance because they talked to him and they heard him and they communed with him walking, walking in the garden, speaking audibly to them. Well, his, his other family was present as well. The angels were present because they were created for many reasons, one, to glorify the Lord around the throne, but also to assist humans. They were created to assist humans, to protect them, to do the word of God. When we pray and we release the word of God, they're waiting. They're waiting for assignment, you know, and then we release it, and they're released to go do, if it's of the Lord and not of our flesh, they're going to do the work. And so we've kind of lost that thing. We've either gotten to one extreme or another concerning angelic realm. We've, we've either got to where that's all we talk about. And, uh, you know, almost some people worshiping angels. And then there's the other realm that says, uh, the other uh, end of the pendulum that says, oh, you know, I don't believe in all that supernatural stuff. Well, I've got to go by this. I've got to go by this. This is my standard. This is my plumb line. If it doesn't line up with this, it can't be truth. It doesn't mean I understand it all, but the Lord is opening it up as we need it. So the angels are in this realm in Eden. And... God has given them everything they need. He has given Adam and Eve their mandate. That's us. Our mandate, same, is to cultivate the garden. Now, the garden was a secret place. 
The garden was the holy of holies. And we're to cultivate that. We're to cultivate that garden with the Lord. And that's when you get into prayer and you get into just um, thinking on his word and all of that. We've got to cultivate that. And he shows up and he interacts. He interacts. So here is Adam and Eve in, the, in Eden in the most, uh, the holy of holies with angels present and um, animals present. And it talks about... Um, it talks about a serpent in chapter 3. And we always look at the... I, I, listen, I've been more untaught than taught here lately. It's like the Lord is saying, let me unravel that. Because you didn't quite get it right. I would hate to think of me trying to teach or preach what I, where I was 15 years ago. Because more has been seen we have more even our commentaries we can't depend on them because so much more has been discovered the dead sea scrolls are being looked at constantly uh excavations are taking place all kinds of things are taking place it's an exciting time it's an exciting time because where is he taking us back to he's taking us back to eden that's where we're going back to. And he is establishing that on earth. What is his name on that? My favorite Christmas song is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. What was happening in Eden? God with them. But also angels were there. Fall, uh, I, like I said, I'm using angels. They weren't all called angels. They had rankings. They had job descriptions they had all this but i'll use that just for the sake of of uh making it you know we know one or the other anyway so here they are in the garden now, i used to think well did and i know y'all thought this too did animals talk in the garden i thought that and i thought well i know that donkey talked but you know it i just it didn't seem right because it said after your own kind. I'm going to create you after your own kind. Well, I can't understand what my dog says, although sometimes she thinks I do. But I can't understand that. But see, angels could take on any form. We, we uh, entertain angels unaware. We see the angel of the Lord manifested in the Old Testament. We see all kinds of things where they can take on a human form. Well, I don't know. You know, we all say, okay, uh, and we use the word Lucifer, which is really, um, we really need to use the word Satan correctly. That's the, that's the right word to use for the adversary. But we see, um, you know, well, we know he fell. And he took a third of the angels with him, and um, that's why everything's messed up. But angels had a will, and they can still rebel if they want to. They can still, if they had a will just like us, they could rebel. 
And we say, well, I can't imagine angels rebelling when they are there in the presence of the Lord. I think that's a good idea, a good statement. Because another thing I have found out, um, how many in here have heard of the book of Enoch? Okay. Have any of y'all read it? Read any of it? Have you read it? Okay. The book of Enoch, see, we, we don't want... We don't want to get into wrong theology, but the book of Enoch and the book of Jasher is referred to. So we're pretty safe in looking at those books and saying, why do I need to know this? Well, if you've read it, you see what, has, what happened with several things in the rebellions. And it, uh, angels, we find out from that book because... They, the fallen angels in that book, I'm getting ahead of myself, the fallen angels in that book asked them, would you go to God and ask him to forgive us for doing all this bad stuff? And Enoch said, okay, I'll go. And he went, and God said, no, no. So angels are not redemptive. They are not redemptive. They can't receive. That's why they are amazed at the humans, because we are Sons of salvation. Anyway, so in the garden, there is a uh, being. It says a serpent, more cunning than any of the rest of the creatures. If you look up the word creatures, it just means any of the rest of the created beings. Humans, cows, cats, whatever. And there he is in the garden. And in Ezekiel 28, it talks about, and y'all have read this, about the king of Tyre. It talks about him walking on a mountain and it being in Eden and surrounded by fiery stones. He's surrounded by other spiritual beings in that area. Now, I don't know if he rebelled before earth was ever made or if the, the thing that happened in Eden was his rebellion. I tend to think the latter. That he had, already, he had already fixed it in his heart that he wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be worshipped. And we have obliged him in the United States for sure. But he wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be the one high and lifted up. And so he comes to the garden and Eve's used to seeing angels, and he puts, y'all know this, he puts the doubt in her mind, and before you know it, because three, the three rebellions that I'm talking about this morning all have to do with angelic beings and humans. All three of them are connected. So he deceives Eve, and because they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and as I have studied and just pondered and prayed on this, what, what was the big deal about that? Because now Adam and Eve would decide what's good and evil, not God. What does it say about the end times? Good will be called evil and evil will be called good. So that, that's where we're at in, the, in that part. We're there. So that rebellion happened, and immediately there was war now, remember, we're already ready for war because he said he, he labeled us that. Immediately, there was war. And between, um, 
Eve's seed and Satan's seed. So what would be the next attack? The bloodline. He said, I'll put in enmity between your seed, Eve, and his seed, Satan. So immediately from the very beginning, the battle started. And it's been going and going and going. We are a part of history. We are in current history, if that's possible. Because we are on this same track that we see Joshua and Moses. We cannot set our par- ourselves apart and think that we are not a part of God's plan. But we've got to know our enemy. We've got to know what is his desire. What does he want to do? Anyway, so the next, the next uh, rebellion, because he said between the seeds, would be the bloodline. Would be naturally the bloodline. That makes perfect sense. Because he knows that through a human a human savior is going to come forth. So, if he can do anything, he's going to pollute the bloodline. I'm probably telling y'all all some things you already know, and I know you do, but I want to get into some little deeper stuff. Um, so, the next plan is to pollute the bloodline. You know, something the Lord showed me when, when Adam and Eve were given their mandate and they were to start in the garden and then go into Eden, be fruitful, multiply, cultivate the ground, take dominion, take rule, and spread it throughout all of the earth. Eden was to spread over all of the earth. And you know, God's patterns are all in the word. His patterns are all in the word. And I was looking at this as I was drawing. I drew two circles kind of intertwined. And then in that little space where they were connected, I drew another little circle, which was Eden. And I got to looking at that, and I said, That's, that looks like the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. And so there's always the holy of holies has been the center uh, where we fight from, where we love from where we govern from. So I just thought that was cool that 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 pattern was in there. Now, uh, the second rebellion was in Genesis 6, 2 through 4. It says, The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves. The B'nai Elohim which is the sons of God, saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took for themselves wives. It says they took for themselves. Seems to me like it was forcible uh, in some areas. Now, have y'all studied uh, Genesis 6 and about the Nephilim and all that? Okay, good. So here is what, this is the next attack. Let me pollute the bloodline, because if I pollute the bloodline, no righteous Savior can come. And what was the righteous Savior coming 
for? To restore all things. To restore all things. And we've got to know that that's still his, his mandate. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came to redeem man from the, from the pit. He came to establish us in our mandate that was given to us at the beginning of time. He came to destroy sickness, to destroy poverty, to destroy all of these things that were not in Eden. So I, it's really getting clear to me. I mean, I kind of, I'm like, you know, waver. How long will you waver between two opinions? I've kind of been like that in my life because I'm so doggone analytical. You know, I've asked deliverance from that. Um, but I've always gone, I always like had to understand. And that may be the teacher in me that I have to understand. But it's like, if it doesn't line up with Eden, it's not God's will. If I need to know what God wants to restore, then I look at Eden. Because that's what he's coming to restore. And it gives me a plumb line. And it gives me a standard. Does that mean everyone's healed? Of course not. It doesn't. Because uh, many, many other things play into healing. Does that mean everybody's delivered? No. He wanted everybody saved. I wish that no one... Uh, would perish but is everybody saved no that's where will comes in again okay so the sons of god came and cohabitated with the daughters of man and they and they produce nephilim now one of the things that we get confused on it says that they, the Nephilim, which was the product of women and angels, correct? Okay, women and angels. That kind of that kind of answers possibly a question: Is there female angels? Um, I, they're really uh, probably not no sex, but they came as as male angels. Anyway, so I, I look at that, and it says that they cohabitated and that the Nephilim were the product of that before the flood and after. Now, have y'all pondered on that? I'm telling you, I thought I just asking a question that not everybody was asking. Found out it's all of it uh, antiquity. <laughs> People have been asking that question. You know, how, was, how is it that there were Nephilim after the flood? But when I read the word, it says, and there were giants before the flood and afterwards. And the, the predominant word is when the sons of God came into the daughters of man. To, and I thought, well, that's not too hard to understand because it says they were there before and after. And then they put the, the act when this happened. So, you know, you're, you're looking at your scripture and you're realizing, you know, a lot of atheists and a lot of other people will say, well, why would you serve a God that would commit genocide? Why would you serve a God that would go in and just wipe out whole people groups and say, leave no one, do not leave babies, do not leave 
old people, do not leave anything. Why would he say that? Because there were Nephilim in the land. That is why. And, the, and their violence is evident today. They were violent. They took what they wanted. They were cannibalistic. All of these things. And they operated in the earth. Now we want, I, I, you know, people have wondered what demons are. The Nephilim that have been killed, their bodies have been killed, have been, have died, or their bodies have been killed in war. Their spirits are still around. And they crave, crave bodies. That's where demon possession comes from. So they crave a body. They want to find a body that they can, can operate through. You look, at, you look at demons, they don't fly. They're not angels. They're ground troops. They are ground troops. And I I'm, I'm, know the Lord is going to expound more and more on that fact and exactly how they operate because I'm, I'm going into a training session like every, many other of the body. I'm going into a training session because I'm going to know exactly what's going on with the enemy. And it's like Angie was talking about when he came in and she was addressing powers and principalities. You know, we've heard, well, you can't do that. Who, who said we couldn't do that? I don't know who said that. You know? So anyway, so here we have the demonic force. We have the Nephilim alive and well in the land. And, and many times, if you look at ancient history, if you look, uh, Mesopotamia had their own uh, story of the flood. And it was a good thing. They thought it was a good thing. Um, and you have to study other books and stuff for that. And, it, and I remember now, uh, we had to study mythology when I was in junior high school. We had to study mythology. I'm sure they don't dare do that now, but they might. And I was just fascinated. Y'all remember Hercules and Zeus and tell me some more. Hercules, what'd you say? Atlas. Yes. Who do we think they were? They were heavenly realm. They were heavenly host operating over nations, which I'll go a little bit more into. But that's what I'm saying. We're going to get this warfare. We're going to get it. And then, like Angie said, and like I believe, and like we believe, then we're going to see results. Because we're going to know who we are in Christ, and we're going to enforce His finished work. We've got to get out of our fleshly works. We've got to get out of that. I don't care how loud you yell at a demon. They're not going to come out. It's not volume that brings them out. It's the blood of Jesus that brings them out. And I am so tired of seeing mental illness is a thing that God has really put on my heart that I am warring against with everything that's in me. I've, I've experienced depression. I have family members that have experienced depression. 
I know what it's like to have family member that has uh, schizophrenia. I know what it's like for people to struggle with um, hyperactivity and all of that. Ultimately, it's the enemy trying to bind up God's people. Always trying to bind us up. We've got to encourage each other. We've got to start speaking into each other's lives and saying, you're not a failure. You are not a failure. You have a purpose. And I don't care how much you have to speak to people. Keep speaking to them. They've got to know it. They've got to know it. Some battles may take years and years. So what? So what? Freedom is the ultimate place we want to be. And freedom is, this kind of study is going to bring us more and more into freedom. I hadn't even looked at my notes. Isn't that something? I've been, been talking on this uh, long enough that I'm just like, oh, ah, this in me, God. Um, I mean, when you look in the Word and you look at uh, Rephaim and you look up in, at the word Anakim, and all that, those are Nephilim groups. And Joshua was sent in. That's why Saul got in trouble. Because they told him to go in and utterly destroy a people group. But he didn't. And guess who he saved? The king? Really? I mean, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't working with a full order of french fries or whatever they say all right we know that demons have a will because it says in matthew 12 44 i will return to my house that's another thing if you get free you better get filled up you better get filled up and if you want to be protected and you want to walk in victory stay filled up stay filled up all the time. Because any anytime there's a little bit of empty space, they're gonna they're gonna battle for it. They're gonna they're gonna come and battle for it. And our place in us and our families is to contend. I'm contending. They are not winners, they're losers. I respect the unseen realm. I respect what Satan has done. It, when I say I respect it, I don't mean I like it. I just mean I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to just, you know, tempt God by saying, come on, devil. I'm not going to do that. I got enough troubles without inviting him in. But I'm not going to back up either. I'm not going to back up. And I wish I could remember the passage, and I can't. But it taught, there's a passage that talks about the struggle or, or talks about the event between humans and demons. And um, it's about where in the gates of hell shall not prevail. Um, anyway, it sort of puts us on, now I'm not a football fan, defensive, where I'm defending myself against an opposing. Okay, sort of puts us there. That is not the way it is. We are the opposer. We, it's them trying to get out from under our feet. It's not us running and chasing and stomping on them. We are above. Paul says we are above every power and principality. 
we have no idea, but God is revealing the power that resides within us. The finished work of Jesus on the earth is in me, is in me. Woo, I'm getting myself stirred up. They have emotions. It says demons believed and they shuddered. They have emotion. They are earthbound. They, they operate through creatures uh, with bodies. I love the, I love the story about um, Dagon when they had stolen the, the um, what am I saying? The ark. They had stolen the ark, I think it was, and, and the Philistines had stolen the ark, and it had not yet been taken into Jerusalem. And so the enemy puts it in a room with a idol. And the next day, the idols bow down to the ark. I mean, that's inanimate objects as far as we know, except really the presence of God was in the ark. The presence of demons were in the idols. You know that even when they made idols, sometimes they would ream out a mouth because they had, there had to be a place for the demon to come in. Mm. They'll chew on that a while. Awesome. Awesome. The third rebellion. This is the one that has really, I've really began to uh, go deep into because it has, it, may, it has made this scripture make so much sense to me. And in the third one, now here's something we need to know. All right, in Genesis chapter 10, there's what is called the table of nations. Have, I don't know if y'all have heard of that. In Genesis 10, it's what is called the table of nations. And it is the descendants from Ham, Sham, and Japheth. It is their children and their children's children and all this. The number of nations is 70. There were 70 nations, okay? It's going to become real important here in a minute. Excuse me. Right after that... In, I mean, uh, Nimrod, who, I haven't figured this out yet, became a Nephilim. Now, he wasn't a product. He became a Nephilim. And, and me and, and my team back there, we've been talking about this. And we were talking about it last night in the hotel room. Just, you know, they, he had to become so, so enamored by power and evil that it literally began to transform him. I believe that because you see it so much now. The evilness that is in the world today, just with pedophilia and child trafficking, if you just talked about that, is the most evil thing I have ever imagined. And, I, and they are overtaken. They are overtaken. People that have given themselves to the dark side can be overtaken. It's not just about possession. They can literally become something different. And that's, 
That's something, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of all this. Just pray. Just pray. I don't think just and pray should be in the same sentence. I've decided. Pray. Don't just pray. All right, the third rebellion, like I was saying, in Genesis 10 is the 70 nations. So then Nimrod raises himself up and starts uh, leading people to build the tower. The tower. Another word for the tower is ziggurat, and it is a high place, which is all over the world. We know that there are high places. Uh, it is a high place to connect with the dark side, to connect with fallen angels, to connect with that. Why would they want to do that? Because they gain power. If you, if you listen to the uh, testimonies of witches and ex-Satanists, uh, Satanists, they become addicted to the power. And we know even in the Christian community, man, if there's armor bearers or whatever with leaders, pray about that. Pray that they are protected from that kind of thing. Because that is exactly what the enemy is going to target on leaders. He's going to target that. So, they build the tower. Um, and that wasn't the first tower. There were towers like that in Mesopotamia as well. In fact, I think the Tower of Babel was built in Mesopotamia. Uh, along, there's a, there were other towers, but this one um, was when all the earth was of the same language. We know that, and Angie talked about this earlier in prayer, and there was nothing impossible with them because there was agreement. Now, that ought to tell us something as Christians. If we're in agreement, there's nothing impossible. Absolutely, and you know the powers and principalities are really got their ears down on this body today. They really got their eyes down here you know, checking you out because they recognize truth. They recognize real, real in a body. They recognize humility. They recognize the desire to repent, and they are threatened by that. You know what our best warfare is? Obedience to God. That's the best weapon we got. It's just, I mean, we can get in there and fight and stuff, but then if we just turn right back around and, and are disobedient, that meant nothing. Obedience is a weapon that they cannot contend with. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. So in Genesis 11, 6 through 9, it says, Behold, God says, Behold, they are one people. And they have the same language, and this is what they began to do. And nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their languages, that they may not understand one another. Now, see, he had given the same mandate with each one of these rebellions. Go and replenish the earth. Go and replenish the earth. Every time, with Noah in the, in the garden, and then after you know, on after the flood. But they had chosen, no, we're going to stay together because we like the power that we get from that. So come let us go down 
and confuse their language that they may not understand one another. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. Now, here's what gets interesting. That, I've read that, and it's kind of like that's the end of the story. You know? So now we have nations, pagan nations. And that's all we have. But in Deuteronomy and Psalm, it gives awesome revelation. In Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9, it says, When the Most High God gave the nation their inheritance when he separated the sons of man. He set boundaries of the people. And in your Bible, it's going to say Israel. According to the number of the sons of Israel. It's not the sons of Israel. When you go back to the Hebrew and you go back into the root words, it's God. According to the sons of God. So what does that mean? All right, they're separated them. God looked at his, his ranking angels and he said, all right, I have disinherited them and my portion will be Israel. He said, my portion will be Israel. But I want you, angels, to go with these separate nations, 70, 70 nations at the time. I want you to go with them. And I want you to protect them and assist them like you were created to do and help govern them and protect them. And so here is 70 nations scattered abroad with high-ranking angels over them. And God said, Israel will be my portion. And it wasn't the next chapter he calls Abraham out of Mesopotamia because he's about to build his nation. And the only requirement to be the father of that nation, the only requirement is believing. That's all. It says that Abraham believed it was uh, counted unto him as righteousness. That's why when you get over in the New Testament, you see all the uh, Sadducees and Pharisees and busy bees and all that. You know, they're trying to load you down with law, trying to load you down with things and some of them are very good you know some of those are good we need to follow some of them but not for for salvation's sake anyway so here we have it 70 nations are there they've got angelic powers over them to protect them now in in uh, psalm 82 1 and 2 we see god in the midst of the um, council, his council, his angelic council, speaking to them and correcting them and chastising them. Psalm 82, 1, 2 says, God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Uh-oh. 
This is what I'm saying. There wasn't just the rebellion in the garden. They're still rebelling. Still rebelling. So now we have 70 nations with fallen angels over them. What do you think the powers and principalities are? That's what they are. That's all they are is the, is the ones. And it said, and you favor the wicked. You want to know why it's so hard for us to live for the Lord? Because those governing uh, entities up there are favoring the wicked. I mean, we see that every day on the news. I'm so sick of the news. It's there all the time. These are the powers. These are the rulers. These are the principalities, all that are over there. And I get to thinking about Paul. You know, it says, okay, let's go back to 70 right quick. In the New Testament, there's a whole little portion of a chapter talks about sending out the 70. What do you think? That, what did that represent? Go into all the earth. Go into all the earth and preach the gospel. In other words, go into the nations that I disinherited in Genesis because now my son has died and he has paid the price for them. Now go gather them up and tell them it's time to come home. It's time to come home. You can come back now. You don't have to be, and the specific words were, you don't have to be afraid of these governing angelic entities. You don't have to be afraid of them. I've defeated them. I've made a display of them. You know, the only weapon that the enemy tries to get with us, it, two things, three things, four things, they're all popping in my head, uh, complacency and distraction, but is also half-truths. We've got to know the whole truth to defeat. I'm not even going to say defeat. They're already defeated. We've got to know the whole truth to enforce what God has done. This body is a warring body. There's no doubt in my mind. God is calling me to war like never before. I've never felt righteous indignation. You know, you've seen little dogs. I got a kind of a big dog. I got a, a black mouth uh, curd. Um, and there's a little dog next door. That little dog just thinks he's just like as big as my dog. Because he's got the right mindset. He's got the right mindset. We have to be intentional in what we're doing. We have to be intentional in our warfare. We have to shut our mouth and let, our, let the word uh, work in our brain before we respond to people. Before we act on anything. We've got to say, God, if there's something that I am not uh, understanding, if there is something that I need to be untaught, please unteach me. We've got to say it is not all about numbers, for one thing. It's not all about numbers. And it's not all about, and I can say, I'm preaching to the choir. I don't even need to be preaching this to y'all. Y'all already know it. Y'all already know it. But, but the Lord is drawing you up as a body. He's drawing you up. And he's saying, I mean, I hear the shofar blowing right now. Come up here. Come up here. Come up here. I wear a shofar around my neck, a little bitty shofar around my neck, 
because I want to be reminded that that's what he wants me to do all the time. Come up here. Come up here. We've got to fight distractions. The phone will ring. Your back will hurt. Your husband will get mad at you before you come. Your kids will, are suffering with something. It doesn't mean we ignore them. But if we're going to see them delivered, we've got to push that aside and engage. We've got to engage with the, against the enemy. We can't just think it's not going to happen. You have leadership in this body that is going to guide. They're here. This is what I love, I love, I love. Apostle Angie ain't got a hat on. You know what I'm saying? Because a church can normally only go as high as a pastor does or the apostle or prophet. She doesn't have a cap on. She's like open. And she loves it. She loves it. I know she does because we talk. It's amazing. We are about to see true turnaround. I know we've been saying this forever. Well, guess what? That's okay. They said forever and a child will be born. 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 They said that forever. They said it forever. And then one night, a child was born. A child was born. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why was that child born? Because God wanted to be with us. With us. Guiding us. Comforting us. Strengthening us. You got supernatural strength, sister. Supernatural strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, think about the birth. After all of this, when you start going, I cut it real short today because I go long. I'm like a football player. I go long. And, but think about, think about everything that had to happen from Genesis up to the Gospels. Think about what had to happen for the child to be born. Man, you start, look, read the Old Testament, read all the Gospels. You're going to see just constant weaving in defeat, victory, defeat, victory, defeat, victory. Do not stop. Do not stop believing. Do not stop marching. I beg of you, do not stop marching. I don't have to, I'm not begging because I think you do. I'm begging because that's the passion that's in me. A passion is in me about God's people coming up to the place where we're supposed to be walking. We're supposed to be walking. I am, I am other than when I am in worship, I'm also a psalmist. And when I'm in worship and, and uh, I can't, I don't, I'm not near good like this lady back here. But I'm telling you, when I get in that place, I'm gone. I'm gone. Guess where I am? I'm in the garden. I'm in the garden. And when I come out, it's like those little toys that, that kids get. I just got to get down here. It's like toys like uh, little kids get that uh, 
You put it up to the light, and when you take it away, it's still shining. I love those toys. They're so prophetic. You know, the closer, the more I'm beholding, mm, when I walk back out, there's a light on me. And you might not see it, but I guarantee you the devil sees it. He sees it. I think about the, the, what he has done among God's people. I think about, I see all this horrible stuff and I think, God, wow, you really protect me. You protect me. You go with me. You know, we have no, I'm like, oh God, today I'm going to ask this. Father God, I ask right now that you would open the eyes of your servants. Open the eyes, Father. Open my eyes, God. Let us see who is with us and who's against us. I promise you who's with us is being led by Messiah and that we are victors. We're already victors. Oh, Jesus. Father, I thank you right now that you are bringing us more and more and more into a revelation of what this thing's been about. What this thing, you think about, you know, it's like I, I was saying earlier, I think. You think about Paul when he walked into Ephesus. Why was, when it says he was going to be the apostle of Gentiles, it's nations. He had a big job. He was going to be apostle to the 70 that left. And he was going to be the one go in and say, come back. But think about this, sister. He walked into a city steeped in paganism. All the powers and principalities favored the wicked. And there was, there was such wickedness and violence and all of that going on in the city of Ephesus. It, was, it had like one of the seven wonders of the world. It had uh, the temple of Diana in there and they were selling little little uh, models of the temple and making money. Does it sound familiar? It sounds familiar to me. And one man walked on in there. I can't imagine what he felt like. Man, I can't imagine the host of angels that were around him, righteous angels, walking in, walking into Ephesus. And, he, and what does he preach what does he preach? There's a man named Jesus. He's our Messiah. He died. He's already, uh, he has already obtained the victory. And now, and when he was preaching to them, uh, and he said, we are far above every power and principality. Don't you know that that temple of Diana starts shaking? You know, it's like, whoa, he knows too much. He knows too much. And that's what the enemy is afraid of. Listen, y'all better be diggers. You're going to have to dig into the Word. I promise you God will give you revelation. He will give it to you. You go into that Word and you say, Father, I'm going in as if I've never been in before. Holy Spirit, I don't want what I've been taught. I don't want this or that to influence me. I don't want tradition to influence me. I want... Holy Spirit, you to influence me. And you'll be sitting at your desk and you'll look up a little word like host and you'll fall out of your chair. And you'll say, well, I was created to, to war. 
I was created for this. Excuse me. I'm telling you, we are, I'm not even going to set boundaries on us. You know, we're, we're almost there. We're here, there. I do it all the time. Excuse me. We're there. We are there. We are there. And war ain't fair. <laughs> Pardon me? Yes. That was another that was another definition of host. Servers at the sacred tent. Mm, mm. I mean, it, the steak just gets juicier and juicier. And it's there. And see, here's the thing, too. I had a vision one time. Um, I guess I should look at this clock. Is there? Should I look at this clock? It don't work? Hallelujah! <coughs> I'm so glad time isn't God here. Oh. I was in, I love camping with my husband, and I was in a camp, the camper and we were up on Pettyjean Mountain or somewhere like that. And I went to the bathroom. The bathroom was at the end of the camper. And I came out. And on the right is a little dinette table. Here's the sink. Here's a couch. And then with oh, a little arch, that was where the bed was. And I came out of there. And all of a sudden, I, I was somewhere else. I was, God was like, stop. he arrested me. He stopped me. And he said, look at this. And on the table, under the little light, that, the little cheap light they put over your table, under the ta uh, on the table, what, and my husband loves steaks, and he's the best steak cooker I've ever seen. But there is a, a steak, I bet you that thick. I mean, dripping. Mmm. On a plate. And there was a fork stuck in it. And then I looked through the, the door. And there were cobwebs on the edge that goes into the bedroom. There were, there were cobwebs. There wasn't really. This was a vision. I'm good. I clean. But there was cobwebs on that door. And then beyond that, my husband was asleep. And he said, this is what's wrong. I've got steak on the table. But the church would rather sleep than eat. They'd rather sleep than eat. And I mean, look at that in the natural. You look at, at, at especially like the like millennial age, they want to sleep. And they want to sleep because they feel unfulfilled. They feel weary. They're feeling the effects of our lack of prayer. And so we've got to bring them up. We've got to bring them up. Man, man. I could go on and on the way that that's how the Lord does. I mean, he is, if he's not speaking and telling us to awake, I don't know what's happening. But you know what? There's bodies like this that are awake. Y'all are awake. Y'all are awake. And you need to sit down at the dinette and just start eating on Scripture. Those, par those parts of Scripture that you don't understand, dig it out. Dig it out. You can go to YouTube. That's okay. You just pray before you go there, and you're liable to come across a good teacher. 
or a, a revelation of something. Get the book of Enoch. Figure out what happened with all these. You know, there was 200 angels that fell. Only 200. They're the ones locked up in, in chains. Only 200, according to Enoch. 200 angels in a space of about 1,500 years, maybe, had polluted the whole world except eight people. I mean, that's tells you something but God but God said I will make for myself a nation how many people went into Egypt before they were released 400 years later 70 70 people went into Egypt and came out like 3 million like 3 million God had built for himself a nation and then when that nation was cut loose, he, put, he gave them a new constitution called Ten Commandments. Covenant. Covenant. He gave them how to eat, how to drink, what to wear, what not to wear. All of that. And they came out. And when Moses died on the mountain, we think that he died. Does it say he died? I don't know. I'm so glad that I don't know everything. Gives me room to learn something. When Joshua was sent in as second in command, I mean, he went in with boots on the ground. And God said, this is what my nation has to do. Has to do this. And we cannot be dismayed by what we see. Like the spies were when they looked over into the land. What were they seeing? Nephilim. They were seeing Nephilim over there. Well, we look like grasshoppers in our own sight. Well, you're right. You are grasshoppers compared to them. But that's not what you base your warfare on. That's not what you based your warfare on. You base your warfare on beautiful, beautiful Jesus. Beautiful, beautiful Jesus. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed in Jesus' name.